Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Feel Strong creates one-on-one fitness solutions for committed people without wasting time or compromise. We build and rebuild motivated individuals using programs designed exclusively for them. On today's podcast, we have Dr. Aaron Farmer. Aaron is a physical therapist who also has a significant background in fitness. She has coached Olympic weightlifters in national competitions. She herself has competed at CrossFit regionals and she owned CrossFit Center City in Philadelphia for nearly a decade. Erin has a ton of wisdom and insight into how the medical establishment and fitness world can and should work with each other, and she is generous in sharing this insight. Personally, Erin has also been a massive influence on me. I decided quite a while ago that Erin would be, if I could get her, the guest on episode number 100, because I don't think I would have a career without her. As a gym owner, She insisted upon coaches learning to see each individual client, even in a busy group setting. She constantly offered continuing education for coaches, and she encouraged staff in their individual interests and passions. Erin was the one who first suggested that I would be a great one-on-one coach, and she directed me to the first certifications that let me build what would eventually become FeelStrong. The culture Erin created in her CrossFit gym became part of the values I operate from today, and she has only grown more thoughtful, more nuanced, and more willing to give away her significant knowledge of how to help others lead fulfilling lives so we can all benefit. It gives me joy and pride to say, here is Dr. Aaron Farmer. Dr. Aaron Farmer, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> of course, I'm really excited to have you here. I've known you for quite a while, but it's possible mm-hmm. that there's people listening don't know who you are. I will say briefly, mm-hmm. I met you as a member who you were coaching in the CrossFit gym you owned, and now you're a physical therapist. Yes, that is the arc of the story. Could you like maybe give the audience two minutes on what that journey was like, exactly what it was, and then we'll dig into it. Yeah. Prior to opening the gym or just in general becoming a gym owner, because there were many steps before we actually got to CrossFit Center City, I was on a med school track um, and I kind of went through a little bit of a, a shift in what I really wanted to do with that. So just kind of in dabbling in some of the prerequisites and doing all that and shadowing it just, you know, turns out I didn't really want to be in a hospital um, all day long and for years on end. Um, So I kind of took a gap year to (laughs) figure out what I wanted to do. And I've always been into fitness. And so my gap year turned into ownership for like nearly a decade. And along the way, I think I definitely learned a lot of lessons, had a lot of fun. I have so many good memories. There are definitely times that I miss um, small business ownership and definitely miss coaching. But I kind of kept the little dream of going back to school um, for something. And then it also kind of became very apparent as I was coaching that it needed to be physical therapy. Because even though um, you know high levels of performance were addictive and intriguing and just things that I were that I, w- I was interested in ultimately I feel like I was always really into the people that were broken <laughs> so that's kind of how I ended up there so I started a lot of my prereqs that were remaining cuz I could still sort of keep a few of the ones that I had from when I was doing the med school track and and kind of was on a deadline because they were only going to last for so long and tried to make that deadline and ended up selling the business, having a baby, and then three months later starting at Arcadia University, which is in Glenside, PA, and is just like an incredible uh, school. It was just the perfect choice for me. Did that for three years, got out of there, took the boards um, while pregnant with my second son, and and then had him pass the boards. <laughs> and then I've only recently just started my first uh, job. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And that's been like the, the extended story of how we got here. Why was it so obvious that the next step was physical therapy? I think for me, 
and I maybe this is me being very honest, which is total podcast material, I think. But, you know, I got to know a lot of high level, like higher level. I mean, you know, I'm not coaching people in the NFL or anything, but um, especially within the world of Olympic weightlifting, I was, you know, coaching people who were going to national competitions and I was judging at those competitions. Um, and in the end, I feel like I had this one event and I, I feel like I want to say it was like nationals in like 2015 or 16 or something like that. I just became very disenchanted with like the accompanying ego that was like going along with that role. And that's not to say that that is how it is everywhere or at every event, but it was just like, for lack of a better way of explaining it, it was like just me as a woman and like a couple other female coaches and then like a bunch of dudes, white dudes (laughs) in, in suits, like just having a lot of issues with everything. But in the end I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't really care that much. And And so it had to be physical therapy, I think, because I just got really burnt out on that ego part of things. And ultimately, when I first went into PT school, I was really interested in neuro rehabilitation, which in many ways is helping people that don't really get the option of choosing to perform at the highest level, you know, like they're, they're just trying to live and to be functional. I think that's just where I wanted to be. I wanted to be somewhere where, where, all of the things that I had learned about coaching and mindset and, and even performance, I mean, would really become more relevant and, and useful, which is like, as you know, a big thing, a theme within CrossFit Center City is the little French phrase that I'm not going to butcher right now, but um, be strong to be useful. And that was really where my head was at. So I think I just landed on physical therapy because of that. Yeah, I think that's really why. And especially like from a medical perspective, it is one of the professions the like genres within medicine that where you actually do get to spend a lot of time with patients. And that was really appealing. What is some of the crossover that you see from coaching to physical therapy? Hmm. So absolutely the mindset, all of the, all of the like life coaching aspects of uh, coaching are some of the most important for me that I've been able to carry into practicing physical therapy. There are a lot of patients who are unmotivated, which is very interesting because, I mean, you would think when you own a gym, people are paying like a decent amount of money. They're probably going to be pretty motivated. But as you know, Justin, (laughs) people are expecting you to like create the motivation for them sometimes. So I, I think that's been an interesting journey. I love patients who I get to kind of explore that with. I've, I've always really been drawn to both clients and patients who sort of feel like they don't belong. Like, like I've never done this before in my life. So clearly I won't be able to, or, um, like I look a certain way, therefore I cannot do these things, which we know to be untrue, but also very common. So yeah, I feel like that has been the most prevalent crossover for me. I mean, there's certainly a lot of things that I learned about dosage, which I would have only known from strength training, you know, and from coaching strength training. We also had the good fortune of being in a gym that did a really great job with scaling too. So in, in being creative and figuring out ways to, to work around people's injuries. So all of those things have sort of carried over, even if they've become even more developed, I think with the, like through the lens of PT school and therapy. That makes a lot of sense. And I think the, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about sort of like the kind of people that, that we're working with these days, both yourself and myself. And I think those people who you mentioned, the people who feel like they don't belong or feel like it's not for them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a significant, maybe the biggest unserved or underserved population, certainly from a fitness point of view. The people who yeah. may not be motivated, but also in large part don't feel welcome, don't feel like it's for them. I mean, not dissimilar from how you describe your being as a, a female coach at nationals already yeah. not feeling welcome, despite being terrifically qualified and bringing athletes here and having done this a lot. <laughs> you not feeling welcome there. There's a little bit of one-to-one of people who are standing on the outside 
saying, well, I don't, I, I start, I'm not going to a gym. I don't belong there. It's not for me. I wouldn't know where yeah. to start. And I'm, I never feel welcome when I walk in there. There's not, yeah. no one's greeting me with open arms. There's mm -hmm. a really significantly underserved population there, whether it's chronic pain or just general lifestyle Absolutely. issues or any combination. Yeah. And I will also say like one of the, I mean, I think any physical therapist will tell you that one of the more challenging populations to treat is the chronic pain population. And, you know, all of the new research coming out about pain science and chronic pain in general and how we treat it is, is so mindset based. It's so based on the narrative that your physician gives you or the narrative that even within your own household you were given. That is another population that I think is really, I mean, untapped as far as like, you know, who could actually serve them and all of the good that could be done for them. But also I just, I feel for, for patients who are in that position because, you know, the typical gym structure, it, you have to be brave enough to, to kind of believe in the resilience of your own body. And I think um, the story that they are getting is just not that. So I think that's a, I would be so interested to hear your experience with that and how you've kind of seen that develop over the years um, as a coach to like in the world of CrossFit, because obviously CrossFit is this, like if you, if you're in chronic pain and you're like, I'm going to go do CrossFit, like something has shifted <laughs> in your life that is allowed for that to happen because otherwise I think it's not usually the first choice. Yeah. I think people usually associate CrossFit with people who aren't in it associate CrossFit yep. with getting hurt and being in pain or right. they've heard from their friends, even if they love it, their friends are always banged up all the time or they always have some yeah. tweak or something. And maybe they're proud yeah. of it. Maybe they're yeah. not happy that their hands hurt or things like that. I think, <laughs> and I, I think this probably ties into PTs too, that, I mean, your mileage will vary wildly depending on what gym you walk into, which has always been mm -hmm. one of the good and bad things about CrossFit. And I think is one of the good and bad things about physical therapy. Like Absolutely. Your, you know, the, the, the coach you run into that day, if mm -hmm. you walk in and say, hey, so I want to I, I, I know I want to get in shape and I know I need to be healthy, but it hurts when I walk downstairs and mm -hmm. it hurts more at the end of the day. And when I bend over, my calf starts tingling and I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, can I work out here? Like it, <laughs> like who you run into is going to have a massive impact on yeah. what you can do, what that program is like, if you're even welcome. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's certainly coaches who and maybe it's the right move for them would say not a chance you shouldn't we're going to hurt you you can't be here you need to go somewhere else and you know i know that there are coaches and there's more and more of them coming along who will say oh of course like we're going to have to design a program just for you you know you're not you shouldn't mm -hmm. be box jumping or doing really dynamic barbell stuff yet mm -hmm. but absolutely like movement is probably exactly what you need combined exactly. with some you know intelligent mobilizations and things like that but right. it's, it can only right. make you better if as you said, like the, the right movement and the right dosage is super important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of takes, um, like, especially from the coach's perspective, but also from the therapist's perspective, I think it takes sort of checking your ego just so often because we often tie our patient or our client outcomes to our own abilities, Right. That lesson is a really hard one. Like just to acknowledge that like this person's body is their own little microcosm of so many different elements. And um, there's only so much that you can put into the system. And then the rest is sort of going to gonna take time. And it's going to take whatever time that that person is individually going to be able to give to it, you know. But yeah, anyway, all good things. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. And I, we talk a lot about not setting goals for people. You know, I have a really hard time when coaches, you know, everyone who walks in the door, you assume they want to lose weight or everyone oh, who walks yeah. in the door, you assume they want to participate in your sport or they want to run a half marathon or whatever, like whatever your thing mm -hmm. is. If you try and stuff them in that box, you're going to have a mm -hmm. lot of people left to the outside. Whereas if you spend some time sort of unpacking what that person's dream is, where, where they want to go, you might find mm -hmm. you can be incredibly useful. It's not maybe they'd never want to do a thruster climber rope but they would be very mm -hmm. happy if they could get on the ground and play with their kids. And suddenly you're like, Oh, well this actually looks exactly like a lot of movement I know about. If yeah. we can define that dream, we can build you a program that leads there. 
instead of scaling around rope climbs for two and a half years, which is something you didn't care about in the first place, but <laughs> I told you it was valuable. Yeah, <laughs> which is, I think, one of the flaws of CrossFit, right, is that it, it does kind of put out this um, framework and it says, this is the framework that allows you to be like a legitimate athlete. Um, so it's not, you know, forced on everybody. And I think there is, especially in early CrossFit, there is like a, a very big element of just like pure exploration and curiosity. But, um, but definitely that's one of the, one of the hard things. Um, you sort of reminded me of this interesting thing that just happened, which is I have this patient who has knee pain, like just like plain old patellofemoral, super mysterious, comes and goes, super fun to try to treat these people. In, in general, her biggest deficit is really just like she needs to be stronger and she needs to be, you know, just have overall like better dynamic control of her knee and her hip. So we've been doing a lot of that. And the other day she came over to me and she was like, um, I'm a little concerned. You know, I don't want to be that person, but my legs are getting bigger. And they always do this when I start to strength train. And I just wanted to ask you about it. <laughs> and I, she's so cool. And I feel like it was, it kind of blindsided me a little bit because that has been one of the shifts since I've been a PT. You do as a coach, just get so many people who their like explicit goal, their explicit reason in being with you is something related to body composition, right? They're like, I literally do not care how I arrive at this eventual <laughs> picture of myself that I have in my head. But in PT, you know, that's not often a goal, right? That's usually people are like, well, I want to feel better. You know, I don't like this pain. Um, so that was an interesting conversation to have. Um, and also one for me to sort of step back and be like, huh, that's like one of the current limitations of my scope of practice is not that I can't treat that or that I can't talk to her about that, but I'm not going to go through the whole realm of like nutrition counseling with her and all of that. I did ask her if she has anyone. Cause I was like, I know a guy, but, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we run into the, the bulky comment on a disturbingly regular basis, but it God, never really occurred so to me of it coming up in physical therapy. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. It rears its ugly head. <laughs> uh, yeah. It never seems to go away. And no, well, I'd be interested to know, I'm sure people are listening. How did you, could I ask, I mean, without divulging too much, like how did you navigate that conversation? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel like I want to know what everybody else would say, because I, I think this is a different, a difficult question to navigate, but basically um, what used to happen when we had people who would start with foundations in the gym is I mean, so many times women would do like one week of foundations and they would come to me and be like, my pants are tighter. I'm really concerned. Like, oh my God, am I going to get huge in like four weeks, you know? And I mean, I think any coach with worth their salt knows that um, that's just what happens when you start something new and you're, you're taking all of this blood flow to like new muscle groups and maybe this person hasn't worked out before. And it just, there's a certain amount of like rudimentary inflammation, which just happens. So that's like thing one that I think I talked with her about and I said, maybe it's this, right? The other thing is she had kind of mentioned like that she had hopped on a scale and she was like, and I was heavier. And I was like, well, <laughs> water is very heavy. Um, if you've ever been in a sport where you cut weight, you know this. So I was kind of speaking with her about that. And then also just these are the ways that I know that people get bigger. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of food. Um, and these are the ways that I know that people, you know, get smaller if that's, if that's their goal set. Um, and it usually means there's some sort of caloric deficit happening. And the only other element of this is that generally like higher reps, longer load or heavier load is probably going to be leaning towards hypertrophy more than your like quick, fast movements. Now there's a lot of genetic variability that can happen. And obviously nutrition is probably the thing that drives that the most. But then I literally just told her like, right now I am honestly the smallest I've been not out of like wanting that to happen, but just it's the smallest I've been because I haven't had a lot of chance to eat because I've been 
uh, in a caloric deficit from working so much. And I have two kids, so I'm like constantly moving. And then I literally don't do any conditioning workouts. Like everything I do is strength based. I, I do, I've just now started to do like one conditioning workout a week. You know, whether or not that pans out okay, that's, that is my answer. And that's been my answer for a really long time for any of my athletes. It doesn't even get into the whole idea of like, I think, I think it's normal for, for people to go through a lot of body dysmorphia throughout their lifetimes. So I, I very much wanted her to know, like, I'm not shaming you for asking me this question, right? Like, there's plenty of people who would tell you not even to think about your body in that way. I'm not going to go that route because if you're not there yet with your headspace, you're not there. You know, like I would wish for her to be free of that, but if we're not there, we're not there. So yeah, but that's my answer. And it's a, it's such a, a, a big, interesting topic. One that I would love to hear your thoughts on everybody else's thoughts on. <laughs> I think that's a very caring and individualized answer for this person, as well as something that's basically generally applicable for anyone who would ask that question. And I think a lot, it can be taken for people listening. The fact that you didn't say you're not bulky. Don't think of yourself that way. You're not because you can't change (laughs) that. Like telling people how to feel about their bodies is not going to work. It will never be a successful Um, road. I mean, honestly, that's why we don't even, and clients know this. We don't give compliments about how people look, even if that's mm-hmm. their goal. Even if that's they're, awesome. all I want is my arms to get bigger bra. Mm-hmm. We, will, mm-hmm. we will encourage effort. We will applaud performance. We will applaud consistency. We will applaud yep. intensity. Well, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And if they're happy, it's like, great. I love it. I'm super happy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you never know how people are feeling about themselves oh on my a gosh, day yeah. or a week or something yeah. happens. Yeah. I will also point out that's a very uniquely informed perspective and without like going after colleagues or anything like that, how do you think that question would be received by a different kind of physical therapist? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go after any colleagues cause I, I've just really met all my colleagues, so I can't even go after them. But yeah, I mean, I think it's as varied as, as perspectives are, you know, so there are definitely, um, people who are still stuck in the whole camp of, um, smaller is better, no matter what, like, and honestly would probably change their plan of care. Like they would probably be like, okay, well, we're not going to do that much strengthening anymore. We'll focus on some of these other modalities, you know, like, so let's focus on your mobility or let's focus on your balance instead of strength. That would be a shame because that's, that is not good practice, right? Like, because at the end of the day, the research says you need to have, you know, as close to you can get equal strength in both of these limbs. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, continue to re-injure yourself. I do think there there are going to be people who also probably would have been like, oh, well, <laughs> or who would have just only had the nutrition answer, you know? Yeah, it's it's a really, it's a hard one. But like I said, it, it kind of threw me because it isn't one that I've expected to get in, in this current space that I'm in. Um, and at the end, I kind of just did say to her, I was like, well, you know, no matter what, keep talking to me about it. Keep tabs on it. Let me know if it keeps coming up for you. We'll keep revisiting it. And then I also said, but at the end of the day, like we do have to actually like do some of this. Otherwise you are not going to get better, you know, like, so you have to choose at some point. Right. Which is sort of funny because so, um, way early on in my coaching career, I'll never forget this lady. So I was doing like a lot of personal training in homes and I, my name had been given to somebody who now that I think back on it, I'm like, this is a really interesting recommendation. This woman basically wore like four inch heels every single day and she had knee pain, shockingly. <laughs> um, and she also wanted to be doing fitness in some way. I kind of was like, I don't know if you've ever thought about not wearing four inch heels, but I have to break this to you that 
I think your knees are always going to hurt if you wear it for inch heels. So it's this other side of the aesthetics question where for me, that was the line, right? Like I was like, you know, like you wear heels once or twice, like I get it, but like, you can't say that this is your goal and then also do this thing because at some point they do cancel out. So I think everybody has their line, you know, where it's like, okay, I have to tell this person the truth. And I did have to say to her, like, well, then I probably can't coach you, you know, like, cause we're just, we're going to differ on that. And it's not personal, but I just can't in good faith continue to tell you, I'm going to help you if I really can't. And that is a very ethical decision, but not one every right. coach would make. Certainly not one every young personal trainer would make when, you know, I think yeah. anyone listening who has done that has had the person who's standing in front of them. And like some part of your brain is like your rent. If I, oh if I close God, this client, yeah. then I can definitely pay rent this month <laughs> and it's going to be okay. And absolutely, that's, just, absolutely. that's just the nature of economies and jobs. And, but it's also, I mean, just a one-to-one like ethical decisions, exactly something you just drew a line to where a different, some different hypothetical physical therapist presented with this woman's potential complaints around hypertrophy in her legs might've completely mm-hmm. changed her standard of care or the, the program of care they were giving her right. to make her happy. Even mm-hmm. if a, really a loss of function and, you know, an ethically <sighs> questionable decision in a lot of ways, yeah. but the, the, the patient would be happy and they'd give you great feedback and your Yelp would be all right. And you, yep. you'd get a promotion because you get that great client feedback at the end of the day. And like mm-hmm. all of that seems like it's working even if it's the wrong thing to do. And that's not setting a goal for the client. It's just recognizing what a generally healthy person is and in a caring, compassionate, ethical way, moving them toward it or telling them, yeah, I can't help you. If you're not willing to make these lifestyle adjustments, not wear four inch heels for eight hours a day, then nothing I do is going to help you. So this would be a waste of everyone's time and we're both going to end up frustrated. And I, I do think, so you definitely bring up an interesting point there too, because the interplay of patients and PTs in creating their plan of care is, is important, right? Like, so just like with coaching, the client, their opinion does matter. I mean, like hugely, and regardless of your setting, your patient's opinion also does matter. I mean, for one thing, from a consent perspective, but, you know, also just in general, so there are times when a patient will say, I don't want to do that, or that's not my favorite thing, or can we do this instead? And I have no problem kind of blending my plan of care with what they are actually hoping for and looking to do and even enjoying or not enjoying. But there is definitely a line. Um, and I think, you know, one of the difficulties that a lot of PTs have already expressed to me is when you don't have the self-pay model and instead you have the insurance model of providing healthcare, it's, it's really different because you don't get to say as easily, like you were pointing out, I'm not going to be able to treat you. Although I'm very grateful to my employer. (laughs) Um, I, I think ethics as a first base of your treatment model is obviously always going to be more important than a promotion, obviously or anything else, any other reason, really. And you can't, you just can't, you know, go to sleep at night. I don't, I don't sleep well, even as it is like knowing like, oh man, maybe this person needs more of this. And I didn't, you know, give that to them. So I think that's hard. And I think that's going to continue to be very challenging for me in my current setting, like knowing that I'm always going to be under these umbrellas of like insurance needs to hear this or do this. Um, or your employer would like you to do this or, you know, what have you. But I know a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. I've also heard that a lot from, especially from different physical therapists, whether it's like a group or individual model, but anything dictated by insurance, both the challenges of not being able to treat people a little more holistically, like someone Mm -hmm. comes in with a a prescription for their knee and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But your, your posture is garbage and you keep talking about your shoulder but we only have 30 minutes and there's two other people in the room. Uh-huh. And so mm-hmm. we're going to do the knee stuff and the knee stuff's important, mm-hmm. but there's maybe some bigger stuff we could, this might have a lot to do with the desk you're sitting at. Uh, how yeah. much can we dig into this? I really want to get into this. And that can yep. feel a little um, like you're handicapped a little in how you're treating people. Yeah. 
I think he, and I think it means that as PTs, you have to be creative. Um, so you have to be creative in your intervention, but you also have to be creative in the way that you document. Um, like I've definitely, uh, heard some PTs go to town on people who are, you know, limiting a patient's insurance because of, you know, something like this. There are usually ways that you can show that the one has contributed to the other. Um, like not in every situation, right? So if like someone you're treating them for like back pain and then all of a sudden they like hammer their thumb and now they can't get into quadruped, you know, that's like a little bit of a different situation. But if it's like, okay, I'm treating you for posture or difficulty in breathing, like, and also you hurt your shoulder. I think those are connected, right? So if you're if your posture is bad, right, your shoulder is very likely to eventually hurt you. So I, I fall into the camp of like, until it's the only thing I'm treating, I won't ask for a script. Um, because most of the time in your documentation, you can say like, you know, performed such and such a thing with shoulder flexion because it contributes to deficits patient already has in thoracic posture, or what have you. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard. You do have to be creative. What's nice about coaching is that obviously you're not doing any of that documentation, but on the other hand, you know, you guys have to try a lot harder to get who you see. Um, you know, again, pain is like a very convincing motivator for most people, not everybody, but most people. And that is not necessarily what you're dealing with in the gym. Um, for the most part, people are pretty consistent when they come to therapy versus like in the gym, you know somebody will sign up for a month. Maybe you're going to see them. Maybe you're not going to see them in a couple months. So it's a lot of give and take. It's, um, I think those differences have been really interesting for me to, to just see as now I'm like actually in the clinic and doing my thing. That is really interesting. I think it has a lot to do with how people view physical therapy and how they view coaching and fitness and, and fitness coaches in general and what that mm -hmm. interplay is, both their, the priority that it holds in their day in yeah. their life in the way yeah. that, you know, pain, pain is often, I feel like people often come to you with an emergency, mm -hmm. some kind of emergency. This is it's, a nine out of 10. It got so bad that I had I have to, to do come something. to therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where often I feel like they could be really well served by coming a lot earlier than that, or perhaps mm -hmm. finding a coach who knows enough to get some work done. So they either don't have to come or when they come, it's not, a nine out of 10. Are there, this is a big, this is too big a question. Are there things you <laughs> wish coaches knew about physical therapy that you find uh, <laughs> that maybe they don't? Oh, too man. big a question. No, I think it's a good one. I mean, so, and I think you also know, like, um, so when I was going through PT school, the way that uh, Arcadia structures their, their learning is through units, which is just Anyway, so I, I would do these like little unit updates and they were always about like my little hashtag was like coach to clinician because I really did want to delve into these differences. Like what did I not know before I got into PT school, right? Like, cause I think I was a pretty, you know, I'd been a coach for long enough. I have done a pretty legit amount of continuing education within that field. Um, but yeah, I feel like one of the things that I would have wanted to know when people have personal trainers, I tend to tell them like outright, like when I'm evaling them, the first time I meet them, I'll say, I love talking to personal trainers about whatever they're doing with you. So if they do have any questions about making this better for you or your condition, like reach out to me directly. Here's my number. Here's my email. I love talking about this stuff. I wish as a personal trainer that I had taken more advantage of that. I also wish that I had taken more advantage of shadowing PTs because you will learn so much about what your client is going through and just in general about dosing and, you know, what's, what's the model that they're coming out of before they see you, you know, and every place is obviously a little bit different, but I think that I would have learned a whole lot more as a personal trainer, if I had, if I had, you know, just kind of found some people who I could go see what they're doing as, as, uh, PTs, PTs are generally, uh, like as a field, as a profession, 
we, we love teaching. I mean, we probably love it a little too much. We're big talkers. We talk all the time. Like we can burn out, but, um, for the most part, it's, it's actually a part of the oath that we take as PTs also. So yeah, I would definitely want more trainers to know that, that that's an option. And then the other thing I feel like is I just wish that more personal trainers were, and, and myself included, I wish there was a, a better framework for talking about red flags. Um, so different things that you might see in your conversation with a client for the first time that would kind of tell you like, this is definitely uh, either an emergent issue or like, this is something you need to go be seen by a physician for. I think that what traditionally happens with a lot of coaches is it's just like, well, if I don't know, I'll just, you know, you err on the side of caution and you tell people to just like go to the doctor, right? Which is good. But there are definitely some things along the way that I wish I, I would have known like, oh, this is, that's probably a nerve issue. So you do need to go see your physician or actually just see a PT, you know, like I, I wish I knew more about that. Um, I'm not sure how, I don't know how coaches could get more access to that kind of information. Um, it strikes me as being like a big gaping hole, for instance, in like the CrossFit level one instruction, (laughs) but you know, there it is. It's also for what it's worth. It's also a big gaping hole in like, I have I had other like personal training certifications as well that never really touched on that, which seems very weird and strange. So yeah, there's probably a lot of answers to that question, but those are two. Uh, that's a great answer. And I will say for the the red flags, I never ran into that until I started with the active life education. And now it's mm-hmm. a thing I talk about at least once a week with people, but that kind of thing like, oh, well, this person has, you know, this complaint in their lumbar spine and they've definitely got some sciatic stuff going on and yeah. this is happening. But being able to having enough knowledge and education to ask some uncomfortable questions and being able to stand on solid mm-hmm. ground when you're doing it. Like if someone says, yep. oh, yeah, my lower back hurts and my my calf tingles, um, especially when I've yeah. been sitting down, you can say, oh, um, any bowel or urinary complaints? Because mm-hmm. that's like a yep. big red flag for me. It's like, oh, yep. actually, yeah, there's been a lot going on. Be like, excellent. <laughs> you need to go see your physician. You have to yeah. go see your physician. This is a yeah. hard red flag for me. Once they clear you. If we make sure nothing's going on, I can, that sciatic stuff, I totally know how to help you with that. This, but yeah, that's a hard stop. And having just though, just like the list of things of like, these are potential mm-hmm. problems. You know, if someone's seeing you and they're out of breath and you know, their left arm starts tingling, like that should set mm-hmm. off all of your alarm bells right away. Like, oh, mm-hmm. well, we're going to the emergency room. This is not something that we're going to fix with yeah. breath work and stretching. It's, yeah. it's right. It's a different problem. Mm-hmm. Or even just like baseline you know, signs of stroke, like, you know, just really, really simple stuff. And obviously, like, it could be tailored to whatever population you're serving. So if you've, if you're gen pop, like, you're going to need to know everything. (laughs) But if you're working only with kids, it might be a little bit different, you know. Um, But there are some, like, really easy rules um, for refer out that I feel like don't really get talked about enough. Um, And then another whole realm of that is, like, the big, mysterious, amorphous, like, your patient or your client is pregnant and then everybody like loses their minds because risk is just like, ah, you know, which we've talked about before, but yeah, that's like a whole nother realm that, I mean, if you're a coach, you're going to treat women. (laughs) So, and if you're treating women, like you're going to treat a mom. And so there are certain things like especially that relate to pelvic floor for instance that I just wish as a personal trainer it would have been nice at the very outset to just be like it is not normal even if it is common and just to get people help you know sooner than they can than they can get it because generally people have no idea you know they're they're too busy like leaving living their lives so and be able to speak to people with confidence about the situation you know I'm very comfortable mm-hmm. I mean at this point I don't I have no idea how many pregnant women I've trained up to 36 37 <laughs> weeks but a whole bunch of them but mm-hmm. because we can speak intelligently about it and say well this is this is about what it's going to look like and everyone's different yep. and every trip is different and even for you know if you've had children before every signal pregnancy is different this mm-hmm. is these are the guidelines these are our hard stops these are the rules yeah and then as we go on 
And as you well know, like it's going to be day to day, week to week. Some days are going to be, we'll be able to do these things. Someday we'll be able to do these things. We can absolutely keep moving forward and do it in a way that is safe, effective, makes your pregnancy more tolerable, potentially makes your Mm -hmm. birth easier, makes the recovery significantly easier. And all of these things are well covered in the literature and recommended by ACOG and all those people now. Uh But people are still scared of, oh, my God, a pregnant woman. Yes, yes. And I mean, I totally get it. But, you know, so the alternative is to just not train them. (laughs) Like, so one of the things that I've always been really proud of within the time that um, I was owning CFCC was actually our little like, we had a little pregnant, Justin, you know, but had a little pregnancy quiz. And if you were a new coach, you had to take it. But I feel like we also would do like a, an annual review of like, just making sure everyone remembers how this works. And I mean, yes, even constructing those questions, I remember coming to you and being like, Hey, what do you think about this? Because the, the literature can vary. And it also can, it was, it has developed even in the last like 10 years and things have changed. I don't, I think it could be just as simple as that. You know, I wish that that was um, done more often for the benefit of everybody, really. And if you're a coach, certainly if you're a business owner or someone who leads other coaches, if you're a head coach out there, these are small things you can do, like construct a list of, it can be one page of hard red flags that someone presents in the gym. Like your pregnancy, it doesn't have to be a 10-week course that everyone goes through. That'd be great. And there's people offering great 10-week courses out there. Um, we had mm-hmm. the, the ladies from the Mint Project on a little while ago who are doing this amazing certification for coaches. Mm-hmm. But you can have a really strong hour that you talk to people about and what it's like and questions to ask and check up on their knowledge because this is a, you know, more than 50% of the population is female. A bunch <laughs> of them are or are going to be mothers. You should know something about it if you don't already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think our quiz was literally 10 questions. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. easy (laughs) but also very incisive gets to the point and figures out like do people or if you know if three out of five coaches have the wrong answer you're like oh okay i'm not mad but we need to spend a minute here and talk about it (laughs) yes definitely definitely is there anything that you wish physical therapists knew about coaches personal trainers oh yes (laughs) i wish they knew them (laughs) at all feel like it is it is something that it's difficult, you know, it's like anything else. Um, when you want a referral structure, right. You really want to know good people and there are just different patients who you would recommend to different types of coaches and you really want to know. And even in the world of Philly, right? Like people live in different places. So I need to know, like, who are the people that are coaching over here? Which really means like, that means I have to engage in the community from a fitness perspective. I mean, there are a shocking amount of PTs who do not do fitness. You know, like it is, it's not, it's not a lot, but it is, they exist. And I'm not shaming them because who knows how they got there, but I don't know how they do what they do because, um, yeah, I, yeah. So thing one would definitely be like, knowing some trainers and coaches. Um, also knowing that they're all different. So just because somebody comes from like a bodybuilding background doesn't mean that, that they're not going to know how to squat. Right. It also doesn't mean that they do know how to squat. So I think especially with your patients, right. I mean, I do, I spend a lot of time being like, show me, right. Like So if you're telling me that you've got this neck injury and your trainer has been scaling by having you do upper body exercise, I need to see them, right? Sometimes, like I feel like most trainers are open to whatever you're going to tell them as far as like, you know, I'm the PT. So let me tell my patient what I think this person is going to need as far as like scaling around this injury. I feel like I just... I think I think I can say that most trainers are pretty good about listening to PTs. Um, and I, I wonder if all PTs think that, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they do. And I guess also, and probably finally, just that some coaches are just really good at what they do, right? Like I would, I would have full confidence 
in sending someone who I, who maybe like had a shoulder subluxation, right? If I were to send them to you, right? Like after I had cleared them for activity, I would have no problem, even if I had not had them lift a barbell in front of me, sending them to you. But I could not do that with everybody, you know? And it doesn't even matter what network you're in, you know? Like I have seen people at very large hospital networks that have lots of money and lots of exposure to continuing education literally have no idea how to squat, how to, how to deadlift, how, like, you know, so I think what really matters is what the patient's goals are, obviously. But the thing that I wish more PTs knew, I guess, is just that there's this like really wide range of trainers, you know, some people who you could just be like, I know them, I've seen them do this for people, and they're going to be great. Um, and then other people who it's like, you are doing that patient a disservice if you're sending them out into the world of CrossFit, for instance, without having shown them how to get back to snatching, right? Like, if the coach is not going to do it, then it has to be the PT. Or you have to have a way of being able to help that person get back to things. So yeah, I don't know if that's like a very structured answer, but I think that's really what I wish more people knew. <laughs> That's great. And for coaches listening out there, because I know there are coaches who when they think physical therapist, they think, uh, you know, you're in a room with seven other patients, you're going to warm up on the treadmill for 10 minutes, do some stuff with a yes. TheraBand, maybe get yep. to E-STEM and go home. There are yep. lots of good physical therapists out there. And there seems my impression as someone standing outside is that there is a whole generation of physical therapists coming up who can out deadlift you and understand what it is to go through real locomotion and move weight and the value of resistance and movement. And they are out there and you should also take advantage of them and seek to be in their referral network because you're hearing right now, someone who wishes they knew you to refer to you. And there's people on the other end <laughs> yes. of this who would be a great fit for that kind of stuff. Yes. Talk to us. <laughs> we, we are very talky. Well, and I think also like to, to speak to your experience too, Justin, like, um, if you're, maybe you've never had a problem, a physical problem in your whole life, but most trainers have had their own ailments. It is wonderful to try to fix yourself. Right. But you also have to do PT at some point in order to know and understand, um, what PT is and what it isn't. Right. So I've definitely, you know, I, I'm very picky with who I see for PT, but I've had, good exposure to a few, um, really great PTs in the city. Uh, and that makes a big difference to have to go through it yourself. And I think Justin, like you've had that experience too, of just referring out for something for yourself and that being so enriching to your own experience with your patients or with your clients too. It's a game changer. It's not, it's, I think it's similar to the same way you would put yourself through a fitness program. You're like, Oh, mm -hmm. I want to see what, I want to see what, powerlifting is really like or functional bodybuilding or knees over toes or yeah. whatever catches your eye like i'm gonna mm -hmm. try this you're gonna like everyone gets banged up ever there's no such i firmly believe there's no such thing as injury prevention we can just make you stronger and more resilient you're gonna get hurt stuff is going to happen <laughs> when that happens this is an excellent opportunity to continue growing your education and if you find someone you mm -hmm. like that's when you say hey i'm a coach can i how i want to send people to you what's the best way to refer people to you how do you want to yeah. hear from me what kind of information do you want that will yeah. also start backfilling some of your education as to red flags, yellow flags. How do I actually yeah. speak to a medical professional and not like, I don't know, yes. knee hurts, man, another knee. Yes. Like if yes. you could have some more information about joint angles and muscle mm -hmm. issues and possible mm -hmm. nerve referrals and all of that things, then yeah. you'll first of all, be taken a little more seriously and make their life much easier, which is part of the goal is to yes. ease that friction. Yes, I will say that brevity is not always my strong point, but it is one of the things that, you know, in, in medicine is always uh, highly valued. Can you say more with less? Be very specific and get it over with quickly because no one has time. <laughs> Dr. Aaron Farmer, this has been wonderful. I could talk to you for another hour, but I want to be respectful of your time. What, if anything, would you like to plug? Where do you want to send people to find out more about you, get in touch with you, <laughs> build you into their referral network, et cetera? 
Well, if anybody is curious and wants to see me, I am at Excel Physical Therapy at 18th and JFK. They've just been bought out by IV Rehab. So depending on when you're listening to this, that might be what it's called. Um, and I've also just started uh, practicing pelvic floor therapy out of that location. So if you do have questions about that, or if you just want to have a PT who knows how to lift things and do muscle ups, that's me. Um, <laughs> and I'm happy to, to chat with anybody who has questions or to treat anybody too, because I, I love obviously doing that. So, and Justin, thank you so much. This has been really fun. We always have, I feel like every time I see you, we always have some kind of crazy conversation about something, but yeah, ditto. I could totally talk to you forever. Thank you. Is there any social media you want to direct people to if they want to find out more about you or reach out and get in touch if they're not Philly local? Oh yeah. That's the thing that people do. So I do have a website. It's not really well curated, but you can poke around on there. Um, it's, basically my full name. So it's www.aaronleefarmer.com and the Lee is spelled L-E-E. Um, and that's also my Instagram handle. So my Instagram is at Aaron Lee Farmer. Done and done. And we will put that in the show notes if people want to click on your podcast and click on that stuff. You can go see that or show up at 18th and JFK in Philly. Yeah, come see me. <laughs> uh, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. I had a lot of fun. See you later. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Podcast. If you want to reach out about solving your fitness problems, find us on Instagram at feelstrongfit or apply to get started now on our website, feelstrong.me. Subscribing, rating, and sharing this podcast is an enormous help and has more impact than you know. Thank you for doing that if you're able. If you feel stuck, if you know where you want to go, but you aren't sure how to get there, reach out. It's what we do.